episode 851. The Green Bay Packers are looking to bounce back from both their first loss of the season and a bunch of injuries. We contemplate those realities with Nathan Yonke of ProFootballFocus.com. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Good morning, Green Bay Packers fans, and welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV, the longest tenured Packers podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Brian Carvu. Today, we're recapping a week two loss to the Atlanta Falcons and looking ahead to week three against the Cincinnati Bengals. To do that, we're joined by a guest on the phone... Baltar, find me another expert. One that likes me this time, okay? We're joined by Nathan Yonke of ProFootballFocus.com as he joins us every Wednesday. Nathan, how you doing today? Good morning, Brian. I'm doing well. How about you? Very good. We're glad to have you on the show as usual. Uh, Nathan, I wanted to start off with uh, the Packers secondary, and I thought a pair of Packers third-year cornerbacks, Demarius Randall and Quint Rollins, both played quite poorly this past Sunday night. Was one of them any worse than the other? Uh, you could probably make an argument for either one of them. Uh, I'd say Randall was worse in coverage. He allowed four catches. Uh, three of them went for first downs. The other was a 13-yard gain on second and 15, so still not a great play. Uh, missed two tackles, one in the run game, one after allowing one of those catches. Where Rollins, he allowed more catches in the game, but for fewer yards, only three of them went for first downs. Um, unlike Randall, he at least had one decent play, which was a pass rush but he was a bit worse in the run game. Uh, he was expected to be able to do a little bit more based on where he was lining up, but uh, on plays, he was blocked by either tight ends or receivers, so uh, we graded him out negatively for some of those plays, and then he also missed a tackle in both the pass and run games. So um, I would say Rollins had a worse game just because a lot of Randall's bad play came against uh, Julio Jones, so um, I would say since Randall had to go up against one of the best wide receivers in the game for a bit of his part of the game that I'd give him a little bit of a pass for that. Yeah, either way, not good for the Packers secondary. And and sticking with that uh, position group here, um, Nathan, is it simple as Devon House is doing fine in coverage and poorly in run support, or is it more to it than that? Um, I think House look, definitely looks good in comparison to the guys we were just talking about, but I don't think he's off to a great start. Um, and coverage, his play was a little bit worse than his numbers suggest. Uh, he only allowed one catch in the past game, but he did benefit twice from Matt Ryan overthrows. So those are plays where he definitely could have allowed more yards, and it was more on Matt Ryan than House. Um, he definitely has been a bit better in coverage, but in the run game, uh, he only had one bad play against the Falcons, in my opinion, one where he was just out of position for a Coleman run, which led to a first down. Um, also had a bit worse play in the run against or in the game with Seattle. So uh, that's nothing new to House's career, though. He's consistently been below average in the run game. So unfortunately, we're seeing a little bit more of House how he was last year in Jacksonville than how he was in coverage in his best years in Green Bay. 
Still time to turn things around. I guess that's uh, the only way I can spin it at this point. Um, But Nathan, on the positive side of the defense, I I saw an acquaintance suggest Sunday was the best game Clay Matthews played in two years. Was that the case? I wouldn't say the best game in the past two years, but I would say it was his second best game over the last five years or so. Hmm. Um, I'd say his best one was last year against the Vikings late in the season going against TJ Clemmings where he had a sack, two hits, three hurries, and two batted passes. So that was definitely impressive last year. But um, in this one as well, a bit had to do with the opponent. He did have two sacks and two hurries um, and a few clear wins, even though they didn't impact Matt Ryan. But all of those pressures came against Ty Sambreo, who was the backup right tackle who came in when Ryan Trader went out with injury early in the game. So um, in the run game, he had a number of nice plays as well, some nice tackles, other plays disrupting the run. Um, a lot of it, again, came against Sambrio. And then also tight end Alivine Toilolo, who's one of the decent run-blocking tight ends in the league. So um, at least there, Clay Matthews had some nice plays. But I'm guessing if Ryan Trader wasn't injured early in the game, we might not be talking about him right now. Well, we'll take it from Clay Matthews uh, at this point. Uh, Over on the offensive side of the football, Nathan, uh, the drops by Martellus Bennett were frustrating to watch for Packers fans, but did his contributions as a blocker make up for it at all? Um, I agree it was a frustrating game out of him. He at least had two first down catches, so there was at least a little bit of positive receiving to mix in with the negative. Um, As a run blocker in this game, it was a mix of good and bad. He was very average as a run blocker. Our previous game, he was a bit better as a run blocker. So uh, currently, after two games, he sits among the top 10 in run blocking tight end so far at Pro Football Focus, with a number of the people in the top 10 are players specifically used for run blocking situations and the run blocking tight end. So having a guy who's also a receiver and a run blocker Um, While he hasn't had as big of an impact on the past game as we may have liked so far, um, he's still at least been an asset to the team. Interesting. Uh, I, of course, haven't watched a replay of the game yet, but uh, just kind of watching the NBC broadcast and a couple of the times they really highlighted Martellus Bennett made it look like he was doing good as a blocker, but uh, they probably skip over the negative parts for sure. Um, Nathan, I I know it's early, but how is Ty Montgomery comparing to other running backs in the NFL thus far through the season? Uh, Currently, for Pro Football Focus ranks, he's just outside of the top 10 for running backs, but he is the third best right now for uh, receiving for running backs. Uh, running, he's just been average so far. Um, it's been a little bit difficult to evaluate him there so far. Uh, he's averaging just 1.1 yards before contact per attempt, so really hasn't had a ton of opportunities to make big plays in the run game yet. Um, I wouldn't even blame that on the offensive line too much. It's just a matter of facing some good run defenses, and it only takes a one blocker to do something poorly on a play to derail a play in the run game so it's not like a lot of players are playing consistently poorly it's just constantly one player doing something and then one or more players on the defense doing something right so uh, we have him as average running so far just because uh, there hasn't been too much good or bad that we've seen from him but the passing game uh, 132 yards after the catch which is the best for running back so far this year Uh, he's had five guys miss tackles on his catches which is tied for second best 
Um, I don't know how long Montgomery can sustain playing as many snaps as he has, but so far I think he's been playing about as good as you could hope. Yeah, hopefully he'll get better in the run department. There's still a lot of season left, and uh, uh, mostly positive for Ty Montgomery so far. On the offensive line, Nathan, one week after making his first career start at right tackle, how did Kyle Murphy fare making his first career start at left tackle? I would say he played a bit better at right tackle against Seattle than he did Sunday night against Atlanta. Um, I know it was a rough position to be putting him in, but he did allow a sack, a hit, a hurry, um, another two hurries on plays that were caught back by penalty, um, had a false start in there, and then there were other plays where his pass protection was subpar, just in impact Aaron Rodgers. So um, it was interesting in that the problem Murphy had is he couldn't handle the Falcons' bull rush pass rushes. Uh, pressures a lot of the times come from either an outside or inside move, but um, almost all of Murphy's poor play in the past game came from bull rushes. So um, if he has to play more later this season, if tackles are continue to be injured, um, not all pass rushers are able to have the same kind of bull rush the Falcons have. So um, I don't think he will play as poorly at left tackle if he goes up against different pass rushers. But right now there's the blueprint of how to beat him in the passing game currently. And then on the bright side in the run game, he didn't do much good or bad. So it was really just the pass protection that was the problem. Well, for Kyle Murphy's sake, hopefully he's not put in such a difficult position anymore uh, with with such little notice that he'll be playing left tackle that probably impacted him more than anything. Um, Nathan, I think people were willing to give Jordan, uh, pardon me, Justin McCray uh, a pass um, knowing he was put in a difficult situation playing a position he doesn't typically play. But how did he do against the Falcons? Yeah, coming into this game, he hadn't even taken a snap at right tackle in a preseason game before. So definitely difficult situation for him to be in. Um, he played probably about as you would expect him to play. Um, in the second half, he actually had more trouble with Brooks Reed than he had earlier in the game with Vic Beasley. Um, in terms of pass rushing, uh, he did get a bit of help. Uh, Ty Montgomery stayed into block more than he had ever before in this game. Also had to stay in to give chip blocks more in this game than previous games. So um, if you watch Monday Night Football, you could see what happens when you don't give help to a tackle and how that can hurt the offense. Um, but then Sunday night, you saw what happens when an offense does give one of their tackles a bit of help and how um, it doesn't make the tackle look as bad, but it still hurts the offense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, looking forward to the Bengals game uh, this upcoming Sunday. One matchup I'm particularly interested in seeing, Nathan, is how Kevin King might match up against A.J. Green and the rest of the Bengals' wide receivers. What should we know about them? Uh, sure. These Bengals probably aren't as good as the Bengals teams that were consistently making the playoffs before. Uh, they let some of their good offensive linemen leave in free agency and then stayed in-house to replace those players. So uh, that hasn't been going well for them these first two weeks. Um, Andy Dalton has been playing uh, better than his stats suggest. Uh, he's been doing decent considering the circumstances, but that has been making it harder for them to get the ball to A.J. Green in their offense. Uh, when Green does get the ball in his hands, he's been doing as good as he has been doing. Uh, making guys miss after the catch, hasn't had a drop yet all year. So 
Green is still playing very well, just not getting as many opportunities as he has in the past. And then I do think that matchup with King will be a good matchup. Uh, just to end on a bright note, uh, King has been playing very well in the snaps that he has had um, against Atlanta, had a pass breakup, uh, two plays where he had close coverage, which led to incompletions, a tackle for no gain after a catch out of his coverage. So uh, over a small sample size, he's been doing well. So I think a It'll be an interesting matchup seeing him against Green in this one. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Nathan, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to talk to us today. Greatly appreciate it and uh, looking forward to recapping this game next week. Yeah, no problem. Talk to you again next week. Sounds good. Nathan Yonke of ProFootballFocus.com joining us here as he does every Wednesday during the season. Glad to have him joining us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us as we continue on with the show. I'll try to tell you, Vince, in our Packers news segment and my commentary on it. And and before we get to the Packers news, just thank you, everybody, for your patience. There's a couple episodes there which uh, we did not have live episodes. We did post some podcasts anyway, so I did my best uh, with my work obligations to put up some shows regardless but uh thank you and 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 you know what i just gonna take this before the end of the show and every you know i know some podcast listeners tune out like you know oh they get the interview and that's all they want to listen to and that's great uh before everybody tunes out one little plea here uh and it's a personal one and i'll try to keep it short but every year uh i go on a college football road trip the wisconsin badgers i of course am a big fan they're at their bye week this week So I'm taking off. I'm headed out to Boulder, Colorado this upcoming weekend to watch this this Saturday's rematch of last year's Pac-12 championship game. The Colorado Buffaloes hosting the Washington Huskies uh, going there without tickets. And if I happen to have any Buffs fan out there listening to this podcast, reach out to me via social media. Uh, email, whatever you want to do, uh, looking for tickets to the game, Hap, more than happy to pay, pay, pay face price for a ticket. Um, of course, being a rematch of last year's championship game, uh, big game out there, two undefeated teams. Uh, I can imagine it's a tough one to get tickets to. Um, but uh, if anybody's out there, <laughs> let me know, and I, I'll get to the Packers news here. Okay. In the aftermath of the Packers' loss to the Falcons, I'm here to throw around my opinion on the state of the Packers' secondary and let me join the crowd supporting Packers' top draft pick this year, Kevin King, and his and his deserving a spot in the starting lineup. You know, it's something head coach Mike McCarthy more or less expressed in his day-after-game press conference, uh, saying King had earned the right for more playing time. After his performance in the Falcons game that included a couple arguably nice pass breakups and an aggressive tackle and run support, I'm of the opinion that it's time to throw King to the Wolves against A.J. Green and the Bengals this Sunday. You know, the Packers drafted him to become the number one cornerback, and it's time for him to learn. He may certainly get beat by Green, uh, one of the NFL's best receivers on Sunday, but he can't do any worse than Randall or Rollins. 
and it would appear he has higher upside than either of them. And he's a more natural perimeter cornerback than either as well. You know, King will probably have to start opposite Devon House, uh, even though I haven't exactly been impressed with House through two games so far. But I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, knowing the injuries he's dealt with recently, which has also impacted his preparation. Um, But, you know, where the Packers are really in a quandary here is the slot cornerback position. Presumably, House and King will man the two perimeter spots. But what do you do when the Packers are in nickel or dime? The Packers just can't give up on either Randall or Rollins. They still need those players to play competent football. Now, the hope is that by concentrating on the slot, maybe one of them will thrive there or at least be adequate there. And really, that's all the Packers need. If King ends up being a legitimate number one cornerback and House improves on his early season struggles, that's all the Packers really need is an adequate slot cornerback. Someone that can compete and not be picked on routinely. Another approach the Packers might uh, that that might be for the Packers is to get creative and try someone like maybe second round draft pick Josh Jones there. But I seriously don't know whether he's slot material or not. It's nice having him play near the line of scrimmage. Uh, because of how aggressive and, and such a good tackler he can be. But but does he have the quickness to handle the shifty slot receivers? I'm not sure. Uh, so whatever happens, I'm extremely interested to see what the Packers do on Sunday and how they line up in the secondary because I think it will be so key to them moving forward. And And I'm not necessarily... You know, I knew going into the Atlanta game it was going to be difficult. I predicted a loss, and that was even before I knew the Packers' tackles. You know, neither of them would play in the game. They just need to learn from that experience. You know, uh, as the uh, saying, you know, I predicted the Packers to go 13-3 and this season. To go 13-3, and you got to lose three games. Let's hope this is just one of three uh, that that happens in the year, and they, they get healthier. Uh, as Mike McCarthy said, hopefully this is their one injury bug game that, that they really have to struggle to get through, and let's hopefully it, it's not like that anymore. Um, but, yeah, let's, let's just cross our fingers for that. Um, in other news, the Packers on Tuesday worked out eight players, according to Rob Domovsky of ESPN.com, which really did reflect the players that suffered injuries this past Sunday because three of the players that the Packers brought in were wide receivers and two of them were defensive linemen. And that's in addition to three offensive linemen the Packers brought in Monday for workouts. It wouldn't appear that any signings are imminent, primarily because the Packers don't appear to have suffered any season-ending injuries, which is the silver lining. Uh, Mike McCarthy would confirm that in his Monday press conference. But of those 11 players the Packers have brought in over the past two days, there's three names that really caught my eye that I just wanted to throw out there. 
the most prominent of which was quarterback Gerard Evans, a rookie who led Virginia Tech to a division title last season. And I can remember in the run-up to this year's NFL Draft, we had NFL Draft consultant Matt Richner on this show, and he was telling us how well Evans did as a passer last year, and I agree. Uh, I thought he played really well and was a big reason the Hokies did so well last season under first-year coach Justin Fuente. And Gerard Evans is a dual-threat quarterback. He's, of course, good running the football, but also did good passing. And when you can find, it seems, you know, in the college game, you know, one uh, the, the dual-threat quarterback's good at one or the other. They're, you know, a good runner and just a, a good enough passer to succeed at the college level, but it doesn't always translate to the NFL. I think... Evans does have the NFL caliber arm, especially the more development he gets. Uh, Whether or not the Packers would be willing to take on a fourth quarterback, I'm not sure. Um, But it is an interesting name. The other players that caught my eye were a pair of linemen, one on offense and one on defense. The offensive lineman is Fon Cooper of Ole Miss, and the defensive lineman is Joey Ivey of Florida, both players now a couple years out of college, um, but they're players that were a little more highly touted coming out of college, and, and that's why they stick out uh, more so than some of the under-the-radar guys the Packers brought in. Uh, whether or not any of these players is likely to be signed is still undetermined. You have to understand that more often than not, the Packers don't sign these tryout guys. Once in a while, they do. They might be practice squad material. And others, they just want to see whether they're worth signing in a worst-case scenario down the road, just in case they do suffer, the Packers suffer those season-ending injuries eventually. For now, we wait uh, and move on. The day ahead. All right, so on Wednesday uh, will be the first injury report of the week. And, of course, we want to know the status of all the guys that dropped out of Sunday's game. From Mike McCarthy, we learned that they didn't suffer any season-ending injuries, which is a good first step. Now we want to know how close they are to returning this upcoming Sunday against the Bengals. We want to know what should be a easy game for the Packers to win against an 0-2 team at home uh, in Lambeau Field, it should be that way. Uh, but with the way the Packers have suffered injuries, it's a little more tenuous right now. And we want to know especially about all those guys that dropped out of Sunday's game. The list is defensive lineman Mike Daniels with the hamstring, wide receiver Jordy Nelson with the co- the, the quad, quad. <laughs> wide receiver Randall Cobb, cornerback Devon House, safety Kentrell Bryce, and even offensive lineman Jari Evans suffered an injury but played through it this past Sunday. And that's in addition to the offensive linemen we're waiting to get an update on as well, Brian Balog and David Bakhtiari, neither of whom even suited up this past Sunday. Um, So we want to know what's happening with all those guys. We may or may not get an update from head coach Mike McCarthy, whose practice conference is at 1.15 p.m. Central Time on Wednesday and stream live at Packers.com. 
but the injury reports report released later in the afternoon will at least give us an idea of their practice participation whether they were out there full participation limited participation or out entirely we want to get an update on these guys see if they have a chance to play this sunday it it really was uh a banged up bunch for the packers uh, toward the end of the game when they suffered so many injuries that, you know, with guys that, you know, like Bakhtiari and Blaga who, you know, weren't weren't going to play at all, it, it was getting to the point near the end of the game where the Packers had very, you know, almost getting to the point where they have, you know, seven guys on the inactive list and, and you know, seven of them out entirely, getting to the point where you're wondering if they have any healthy scratches at all. Um so yeah, it's it's a little bit difficult right now in the Packers. It's going to be interesting and and one I've kind of glossed over so far because the injuries are not, you know, don't appear to be season ending, but I mean both Nelson and Cobb impacted here, limited by injuries and and you wonder how how good can the Packers do at the wide receiver position? if they both happen to be out at the same time. Sure, I mean, the Packers had to get by for the last little bit of the game, and they're fine at that. But, I mean, you wonder if Devontae Adams is the the number one option out there. Um, Well, I mean, that's fine. But after that, you've got Trevor Davis, Jeff Janis, some guys who are not heavily involved in the offense, and they might be thrust into greater roles. I am getting ahead of myself. That's why I, well, that's why we have the day ahead segment. Let's see first of all what they're at uh, on the injury report, and then we can go from there and see if they'll be available at all this weekend. But that's going to do it for today's episode of Railbird Central. Thank you everybody so much for joining us on today's show. Thank you to Nathan Yankee of ProFootballFocus.com for being our guest. We'll be back on Wednesday. Pardon me. We'll be back on Friday, just two days. To from now to preview more closely the matchup against the Bengals this upcoming Sunday. Looking forward to that. So, uh, Railbird Central typically airs every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 8.30 a.m. Central Time. That's the live edition of the show, podcasted and on demand later in the day. On behalf of everybody at Cheesehead TV, I'm Brian Kirvu. We'll see you later, folks. Enjoy your Wednesday. Talk to you in just two more days. Uh, We'll see you. Go, pack, go. That's a good way to look at it.